He saw himself as cut off. He saw himself as dead, cut off and dead. I am undone. He stood before the king of kings, recognized his sinfulness and the light of God's holiness, and he said, I am dead. I am dead. I am undone. He was dead. Isaiah was dead in his sins. But now his burden, his woe, his heavy despair had been taken away, and not by anything that he did, but it was by an act of God. His sins were purged, his iniquities forgiven by the only one who could. Look at what the scripture says. He saw the Lord of hosts. The only one who could forgive his sins was the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts was mentioned 260 times in the Old Testament, and he's none other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of hosts. Abounding in Faith is the broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Bible Church of Howell, New Jersey. If you are blessed by this message, please subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. You can also download our app by searching for IBCNJ in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. For more information, please visit us at www.ibcnj.org. Our speaker today is Pastor Mike Tapia. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. God, that we have the opportunity to be here to proclaim your holiness, to worship you, to praise you so freely in this country, Father. And this opportunity we have this morning to gather together. Lord, we pray that through the power of your spirit that you would lead us and that you would guide us and that you would help us in all to understand and to know you better, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a time in my life, not that long ago, that I used to like to collect World War II memorabilia. And I still have a, an eye for it, but um, during that season of my life, I would read um, one of the books on World War II on one of the battles of some sort, and then I would try to find some kind of memorabilia that would go along with that battle that I had just read. So I would um, spend some time looking on eBay and through the internet, kind of scouring through um, the different uh, sites looking for that memorabilia that would um, kind of fulfill whatever that thing I was looking for in, in those um, World War II uh, things. So also when we would go out to like on a vacation, a family vacation to visit maybe Lancaster or in Ohio or Indiana where the kids are and um, maybe even like Lambertville and those areas where there's antique shops, I used to love going to the antique stores and look, and I would look through every little case and, and try to find something. There's always little badges here and there, all kind of scattered around. Uh, so it was a lot of fun looking and, 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 and trying to find them. Uh, another thing that I like to collect, and I mentioned this before, is sticks. I like sticks, walking sticks. I like sticks. My dog likes sticks too, so we have a lot of things in common. So, that's, so I like these walking sticks, and whether they're rustic or something that I could carve out, I find in the woods. Or if I'm on vacation somewhere, I always like to bring some kind of a stick home if I can get it. Um, so I kind of enjoy that idea. So you could almost say that, that I'm kind of like on a mission when I'm looking for these things. I have a purpose. I have a plan. And, and I'm on mission looking. And, and I think uh, this idea of mission we could all relate to because ultimately we're all on some kind of mission at some point or another. You may be looking for like the perfect gift for somebody or you're looking, uh, yeah, you're looking for that or you're looking for... Um, you know, the, the greatest place to vacation or the place to live. But there's always some idea that we're searching in on mission. Um, so this idea of mission is something that's endemic to us. It's something that's within us. And this morning, I want to talk about 
being on mission and a mission, but this mission being probably the most important mission that we can look at or talk about. I mean, it's a mission that we've all been called to. Each one of us has a mission. Each one of us has a mission to accomplish, and it's the reason that God has called us and he's preserved us. It's a mission that brings him glory and makes him known. You see, um, if we didn't have a mission, if we didn't have a purpose or a mission, after we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, then he would take us right home. There'd be no reason to be here. We might as well be called into glory and spend eternity in his presence forever and ever and ever. But he leaves us here. He leaves us here because he calls us to be on mission. And this morning, we're going to see Isaiah as such a man in chapter 6. We're going to see how God calls him and assigns him to be on a mission. So we're going to go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. So this time you can stand and as we read God's word. So this is Isaiah 6, chapter 1. I mean, chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, your sins purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. And I'll stop there. You guys could have a seat. All right, so we're going to look at this passage in light of what's going on here, in light of this idea of being on mission. And I want you guys to listen carefully through the process because ultimately we're going to look at and relate, what does that mean to me? So this is not just about Isaiah. Ultimately, this is about us. So this is taking place, as the passage tells us, in the year of King Uzziah's death. Now, King Uzziah was a good king. Uh, for the most part, he did right, as the Bible says, in the sight of the Lord. He ruled for 52 years over Judah. And during his reign, the nation prospered. It did well. However, there were these storm clouds stirring in the north at this time and, and signs of possible wars to come. So, so there was this degree of uncertainty in the time frame as Isaiah's uh, seeing this and having this vision. And in, during this time of uncertainty, 
This is when Isaiah saw the Lord. Um, just on a side note here, even though the earthly king, the earthly king Uzziah was dying or already dead at this transition, the real king he saw seated on his throne high and lifted up, as is today and forevermore. So regardless, regardless of who is in place on these earthly thrones, just as through the centuries, the earthly leaders and their glory will wither away and die, right? But it's the king of kings who remains on the throne with all his glory, and he fills the whole earth. And that's a really important picture, I think, that we see in this part of Isaiah. Because you look at the world, and you look at the world that we live in, and there's a degree of instability all over the place. Right now, we're looking at the war in Ukraine with Russia. We're looking at uncertainty in our own nation in terms of leadership, and not just here, but you go and you start reading about other countries, there's lots of leadership issues. There's kings who are good, there's kings who are bad. There's presidents who are good, there's presidents who are bad. There's prime ministers who are good, there's prime ministers who are bad. There's dictators who are bad and bad, right? So ultimately, there's no way to say that good, right? But regardless of who is sitting on the earthly throne, above it all, the king of kings is sitting on the heavenly throne, overseeing it all. So ultimately, we keep our eyes gazed and fixed upon him. And that's a great um, series, uh, part of, of encouraging us and keeping us focused. Now, think about this. Imagine Isaiah sees the Lord, okay? So you really imagine Isaiah sees the Lord. He sees the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I read through some of the commentaries here that refer to the symbolism of his train as being the representation of his glory, which not only filled the temple, but as the seraphims were proclaiming, filled the entire earth. So here he finds himself in front of the Lord. Isaiah finds himself in front of the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord of hosts, and what's his reaction? I mean, he could have said, hey, now that I've seen the Lord, I can die happy. This is awesome, right? I've been so privileged. Wow, what an amazing thing. Now, my life is complete. I can go. There's, everything is done, right? But no, we're going to see a very different reaction from Isaiah. But before we get to there, leave you on the, the cliffhanger, before we get to that, Let's see uh, what Isaiah did to put him in a position to be on mission. Because that's the point of this message. Are you on mission? Are we on mission? So let's look at what positioned Isaiah here. So firstly, we read that he saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord. So in other words, God revealed himself to Isaiah in a very apparent fashion. And as a result, Isaiah's gaze was turned to the Lord. God certainly got his attention, didn't he? And he was in the right posture at this point, standing before him in amazement, awe, but standing before him, waiting and ready to hear. Next, we see that Isaiah gazed on the Lord. And as he gazed on the Lord, he saw seraphims. Each one had six wings. That's a crazy sight. The seraphims, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And what were these seraphim doing? 
They were crying out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. And at this, the scripture teaches that the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. What an awesome sight this must have been for Isaiah. And here Isaiah was presented with the stark awareness, very important, the stark awareness of God's holiness and overwhelming glory. Now, let's look at Isaiah's reaction. In verse 5, Isaiah goes, In the sight of this, in the sight of his holiness, in the sight of the seraphim and the throne of God, look at what Isaiah says. He goes, Woe is me! Woe is me, for I am undone. You know, in chapter 5, right before this, Isaiah records seven times the word woe is used, but it's directed to the people of Jerusalem and Judah for their wickedness and their departure from the things of God. And here he declares it on himself. The word woe is used as a passionate cry of grief or despair. He sits there and he goes, woe is me. Like if you could feel the emotion of what he's seen. He's standing before the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's seen the holiness of God. He's seen the glory of God. And all he has left to do is to stay there and say, woe, woe, woe is me. I am undone. God uses that woe in those verses towards the nation of Israel, calling judgment down on them. And Isaiah uses it towards himself in recognition of his own sinfulness in light of God's holiness. It was the only thing he could do. And here we see a great example of how we are to position ourselves before the Lord, a posture of humility, a posture of recognition of who we are in light of who he is. We know that he's recognizing his own sinfulness here and his unworthiness and that he next states the reason. After he says, woe is me for I am undone. Woe is me for I am undone. He says, why? He says, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord at hosts, and at the sight of God's holiness, Isaiah is recognizing his own sinfulness, and he's confessing it before the throne. Another thing that's interesting um, about this woe we're going to see is really the word that he uses being undone. I am undone. There's a special meaning to that, and we're going to see it a little bit later. We look at verse 6 and 7, and we see the result of What's taking place here? He says, Then one of the seraphim, after Isaiah um, stands before the Lord and he places that woe upon himself, and then he goes before and he confesses who he is and his sinfulness before God, we see the seraphim react. And the seraphim on react, uh, reaction of what God is um, directing him to do. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand having in his hand a live coal, the Bible says, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, 
Okay, so listen carefully. He says, your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. At this point, Isaiah had been clean. He had been washed. Though his sins may have been as scarlet, he was now washed white as snow. Can you imagine this incredible relief? A moment ago, he was undone. Undone. And that, that word undone means that he saw himself as cut off. He saw himself as dead. Cut off and dead. I am undone. He stood before the king of kings, recognized his sinfulness and the light of God's holiness, and he said, I am dead. I am dead. I am undone. He was dead. Isaiah was dead in his sins. But now his burden, his woe, his heavy despair had been taken away. And not by anything that he did, but it was by an act of God. His sins were purged. His iniquities forgiven by the only one who could. Look at what the scripture says. He saw the Lord of hosts. The only one who could forgive his sins was the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts was mentioned 260 times in the Old Testament. And he's none other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of hosts. He was purged by the Lord of hosts. And, 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 and at this, he hears the voice of the Lord in verse 8 saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this is typically what we refer to as Isaiah's call. Notice that the Lord did not directly say to Isaiah, Hey, now Isaiah, I purged you of your sins, so now I need you to do this for me or do that for me. Mm. He allows Isaiah to listen into the conversation that he was having among the Godhead who said, who shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah immediately responds without hesitation. And he says, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Isaiah accepts the call and then God responds in verse 9. He says, then go. Then go and tell this people and on and on, and we know what he was going to tell them. Was he was going to have to go tell these people, declare God's judgment on them being stiff-necked. Um, they would, as the Bible says, they would hear, but they would not understand. They would see, but they would not perceive. In other words, he was to tell and proclaim and preach, even if no one listened. See, it wasn't about the results for Isaiah. It was about his obedience. He had a difficult mission. Now, in relationship, I want to talk about our mission. What does that look like for us? Because we're all going to have a different mission. We're not all Isaiah. We're not all called to go and declare judgment on the nation of Israel or on his people. But we all have a mission, right? We said that God placed us here and allowed us to stay for a purpose and for a plan and for a mission. So we want to review a little bit what positioned Isaiah to receive his mission so then we can see what position we're in to accept and receive the mission he's called us to. So in review, in terms of what positioned Isaiah, number one, we see that Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. His gaze was turned to God as God revealed himself to Isaiah. There wasn't anything that Isaiah did specifically. God came to Isaiah, revealed himself to Isaiah, and in the response of the revelation that God gave to Isaiah, Isaiah turned his gaze to God. Okay, he saw, he gazed to the Lord. Number two, we see that Isaiah recognized his own sinfulness in light of God's holiness. He recognized his own sinfulness in light of God's holiness. And because of that, 
The next thing we see Isaiah do is that Isaiah confessed it before the Lord. He confessed his sinfulness before God. Then we see the next thing that happens, the Lord responds to Isaiah's repentance and he purges him of his sins. Sound familiar? A little contrast here. Then the Lord called for volunteers and Isaiah responded, here am I, send me. And lastly, God said, go, and Isaiah went. So what can we learn about our own mission from Isaiah's call and response? What can we learn? Say, what can we learn? Say, no, just tell me. Just ask me the question. What can we learn? No, what can we ask me the question? Ah, that's, I'm really glad you asked that question because I have an answer for you. Thank you for participating. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Sorry, I was not asking you to. All right, um, so let's see. What can we learn? Number one, we need to have our gaze fixed on the Lord. Number one, our eyes have to be looking at him, right? They need to be faced. Uh, we have to be gazed on the Lord. So when we look at the, the scriptures, we recognize that the Lord draws all men to himself through his Holy Spirit. God initiates the act in our lives. He draws us unto himself. And if we are responsible to the, or response, responding to the Holy Spirit, we will fix our eyes upon him. We will look toward him. Now, unfortunately, there are some people who don't, right? As the Holy Spirit draws them, they turn away from him. But in order to be positioned to accept the mission that he has for us, we need to respond to him so we turn our eyes towards him as he draws us to himself. Number two, we also need to respond in the same way Isaiah responded, that it was, we need to recognize our own sinfulness in light of God's holiness. These are the first steps. Remember, God's plan for all of mankind, everybody on this earth, is that they would come to the knowledge of him. So God's plan for all of mankind on this earth is that they would be on mission. Now, when you look at this idea, God's plan for all of mankind would then be for them to acknowledge their sinfulness in light of his holiness. Now, this is where the gospel message uh, takes place. Because at this point, when we are being drawn unto the Lord, and all of us were drawn at some point, and we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, at some point we looked to him as he drew us, and somehow we recognized our sinfulness before him, and as we recognize our sinfulness before him in light of his holiness, we went ahead and confessed that sin before God, and the next steps took place, as in Isaiah's life. But if you're here, and you've never gotten to that point, God still has a mission for you. He still has a plan for you, but you need to first put your eyes upon him, recognize that you're a sinner, that you are dead in your sins, as Isaiah recognized when he said, "'Woe is me, I am undone, I am dead.'" Recognize that you are dead in your sins, that there is nothing that you can do in your own strength to deserve God's favor or even be able to approximate yourself to God, and you need to confess that you're a sinner. That's the beauty of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. That was the love that he demonstrated towards us. So if you're here today and you're sitting here dead in your sins, never accepting uh, the forgiveness that God gives to you, that he gifts to you, then the first thing you need to do is fall on your knees, repent of your sins, turn from your own ways, and turn to him. That's how you begin to be on mission with God. And like I said, God has a mission for every mankind. But we need to start with this step. We need to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to accept that forgiveness that he freely gives from his death on the cross, Remember, he went to the cross, he died for us, as Pastor Mike was saying, he was nailed to the cross for us. It wasn't our sins that were nailed to the cross. 
He took all the sins upon himself, and he was nailed to the cross, and he shed his blood, and he died for us, and he bought us with that blood, that we would glorify him. But we need to come to him. He doesn't force us into salvation, but he extends it to us. And we need to turn from our own sins and turn to him. So that's that first step, is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here, if you're watching online, and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you need to do business with God. That needs to be done. That's the first step. You don't get a pass in this life. He loves you. He offers you salvation. You could choose to remain in your sins, and you remain dead in your trespasses and sins. And when you pass on from this life into eternity, you pass on to a place the Bible calls hell. Not a great place, but it's a choice that you make. Or you could accept his forgiveness. Accept his grace, accept his love, and enter into his family and his kingdom and into a right relationship with him. But that's a choice he gives you. He won't twist anybody's arm, but he loves you. So if you don't know him, um, that's the first thing you need to do. Now, once we've done that, once we've seen ourselves, we've seen our sinfulness in the light of God's holiness, and we've confessed before him our sins, we've gone to him, we've asked for that forgiveness, and once we see ourselves in that light... We confess our sins, and just as was the case in Isaiah's account, the blood of Jesus, the Lord of hosts, then cleanses us of our sins. He casts them as far as the east is from the west, and we become new creations in Christ. But then, once that takes place, we need to respond. Isaiah responded. His sins were forgiven, his iniquities purged, and yet he needed to respond still. He received that forgiveness, but he needed to respond. So we need to respond when God calls. When we hear the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who shall go for us? What is your response? I mean, have you said, Here am I, send me? Or is your reaction more one of, Hey, thanks, thanks, Lord. Hey, I appreciate the salvation. That was awesome. Now I know I could be in a right relationship with you. And I know when I die, I could go to heaven. I have a new life. But hey, but listen, my life, I have some dreams. Right? I have some plans right now. If I followed your call, that might disrupt things. So, but thank you. That's awesome. I'm forgiven. But I'm not sure if I want to respond to this. I can't do this or I can't do that. I can't teach Sunday school. I can't, I can't go out on outreaches. I can't go on a missions trip. I can't be a missionary. I can't do any of those things, Lord, because that's going to change the way I want things to look. So I'm not sure about that. Or, or Lord, I can't give any money right now. I really can't. I mean, I don't have any. And I can't give you any money because, hey, I got plans for it. I'm saving for a rainy day. I got things I want to do. I can't use your money for your glory. I need to do it for myself. How do we respond when we're all called on mission? Because we're all called to a different mission. Like I said, we're not all called to be Isaiah. But we're all called to something. We're all called to be part of the mission and his plan within the body of Christ, whether it's serving in the body, whether it's serving and in, in teaching kids, whether it's going out on the mission field, whether it's giving to the mission field. We're all on mission. We're all on mission. And... Isaiah's response cost him. It really cost him. Isaiah went out. I mean, think about the mission he gave Isaiah. You're going to go talk to a bunch of stiff-necked people who aren't going to listen to anything you say. But you're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep doing it because I'm calling you to do this. So it cost Isaiah 
It wasn't easy for him, but in light of what God had done for him, that was a small price to pay. He said, here I am, send me. No, a couple of weeks ago, we were down in the Dominican, and um, I want to thank you guys for your prayers and your generosity and support. Things went really, really well. In many ways, we saw the hand of God, and he was glorified through it. And I'm just going to share two of those events with you, just to illustrate my point this morning. These demonstrate the lives of people on mission with God, people that answer the call by saying, here am I, send me. Um, one event, we were up in a, a community in the mountains called Constanza, beautiful area. Um, some of you, I think, you guys might have been there with me, Pat and Sissy. Um, Sharon, I think you went up there one time. Um, beautiful area. But about pre-COVID, so we're looking at about three years ago when we went, that was actually the beginning of COVID, that last year that we went up, in 2019. We had gone to visit some different schools, and we ended up um, at a public school. And in this public school, we had an opportunity to present the gospel and to do some skits and some dramas with the kids and, and worship music and all these kind of interesting uh, ways to proclaim the message of Christ. And at the end of this, when people were challenged to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, the director of the school accepted Christ as her savior, as did one of the teachers and as did the janitor, as well as the kids. Uh, so that was a great time of rejoicing for all of us. Now, fast forward three years later, we go back this year and we go up to the Costanza, up into the mountains, and the director of that school finds out that we're coming. Now, she was placed in a new public school. So she asked, can you please come to our school and do the same thing you did to the other school. So she opened the doors to a new public school for us. We went up there, we, we ministered, we did what we do, the kids did their, their scenarios, and when the gospel message was proclaimed, hands, hundreds of hands of these kids went up asking to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right. And that was because of the faithfulness of this one director who said, here I am, Lord, send me. What can I do? What can I do? And she looked to get that gospel message to her students, current students. And God was glorified through it, right? On mission. She's on mission to see those students come to Christ. And God will use her because she's saying, here I am, send me. Did it take courage for her to do that? Probably. To go against what the, the norm of the school system was? It took courage, but she did it. A second one that I want to share with you, um, I think Brandon has a video for me. So I want to show you this video as he's setting up the video this was a scenario again up in the mountain communities no actually this was below down the mountain sorry not in the mountain community this was back down near la vega it's in a community called Sinovi. okay Sinovi. that's the name of the little community that we were in and i have a video just to show you this and i'll share a little bit about it in a minute all right so that little community is called Sinovi, and you may have seen the, the gentleman in the white shirt that was talking. He's the actual pastor teacher. He actually, that's his house. That's his home. There's, when we went in there, we could barely move around. There was 30 kids in one room and 30 kids in another room. And then there were 10 kids out on the, the veranda, you want to call that? And they were doing school in this place. 
The kids had no desks, they had no books, they were sitting on flat wood as a bench, but not, not even as a chair, they were just sitting on wood pallets on the ground. And, and in that little two-room two house, um, the pastor, teacher there, had a vision that he wanted to bring education to the Haitian community in Sinovi. So without any resources, that's all that he did. He opened up his house and he invited the kids to come in. And they started coming and they keep coming. If you look at that community, there's a long distance between where the housing is and this little barrio area. These little kids walk to school every day in the mud and everything just to get there. I mean, we're talking about little teeny kids for the most part and up to this age and even up to this age. Rice fields in that community, yep. Um, so here this man hears the call from God that says there's these children in the community that need an education, they need to know about me, they need to have new opportunities. Who will go? Who can we send? And this pastor said, here I am, Lord, send me. No resources, no way of how he's going to do it. There's two chalkboards in there. There's four teachers. I don't know if you noticed, but that house where the pastor lives, right next to it is what we would call an outhouse. But it wasn't used as an outhouse. It's used as a house for one of the teachers. That's where he lives. There's no windows. They just walk in, and that's where he sleeps. This community, Sinovi, is in need of what this man is doing. And one of the highlights I wanted to bring this to your attention is because on my heart, once we were in there, was the idea of what a difference we can make in a community like this. This is an unsponsored school at this point. In other words, this is somebody that was just brought to Debbie's attention, the missionary. She's doing the best she can to help them at this point um, to gain sponsorship, to be able to, if you could provide sponsorship for this little school, that means that these little kids could actually have desks. They could have a bigger environment they could sit in. The teachers would be better supplied they can teach. The teachers would be funded. I mean, they can eat and take care of their families as well. That's what sponsorship does. And we've seen throughout the years of going, we've been going there for 10 years, how sponsorship makes a difference in a community over the course of a year or the next year. So again, I wanted to present this to you, one, just to show you as an example of here's a man who said, here I am, Lord, send me, and without resources decided to answer the call of God. But also just to plead to you guys, if someone, anyone, anywhere, if you have a desire to support a ministry like Sinovi and provide funds, uh, some funds that we could start sending down there just to help them. Um, again, with that funding comes snacks for the kids. They get to eat a little bit. So lots of things that can be done for them. Um, again, if it's on anybody's heart, you guys can talk to me after the service. We'll figure out a way to do that, and we can have an offering put together for Sinovi. Um, but that was that thing. But my challenge and my appeal to you guys today is this. How have you responded to the call of God? You are all on mission. And, and listen, I know that all of us at times we get consumed with our own mission, with our own plan and our own desire and what we want to do. But I want us to point to the scriptures and recognize that God has a plan for each of us. All right? And, and sometimes it's outside of our comfort zone, that plan. But he called us for a purpose. He called us for a mission. And ultimately, we need to respond to God, either here I am, Lord, send me, or maybe later, Lord. Not right now. I got things I want to do. I got stuff I got to take care of, right? But that's not how we see Isaiah respond. And we can learn from the prophet Isaiah. 
The immediacy of his response was, here I am, Lord. You need something? Send me. I'm available. Here I am. Send me. So um, as we close, the worship team is going to come up. And they're going to sing a song, one of my favorite songs of worship. But it's the time of worship at the close of a message like this is really a challenge. I want to challenge you guys. And not just you. I challenge myself when I do this message. When I was reading it, Isaiah challenged me as well. And I want to challenge you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, then this is the time that you need to do it. Um, you're dead in your sins. You need to be made alive. You need to be touched by the live coal. You need to be purged of your sins, and you can do that if you confess your sin before God and call upon the name of the Lord. So I would challenge you not to leave this place without doing that. Um, and for the rest of us, I want to challenge us. You know, I know we're all on mission of some sort, and sometimes we lose vision of what that mission is. But whatever it is that God is calling you to, I want you to do business with God and respond. Here I am, Lord, send me. And, and if he speaks to your heart and he, and he challenges you to something, then I want you to make that decision before him and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And if you make that decision, um, I want you actually to come up front and show God that I am here and I'm willing to be sent. Because God honors our actions he honors our actions. And I always say this, there's nothing really magical about stepping out in front of people. It's not like, like a magic wand is going to wave or something's going to happen. But when you step out of a group and you go before people and you go before God and you say, Lord, here I am, send me, you're also creating a, 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 a moment in your heart that says, Lord, I'm responding to you. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not sure what the mission is. But you know what? Whatever it is, I want to do it. I mean, when Isaiah responded, he didn't know what the mission truly was. He just said, here I am, send me. And then the Lord said, okay, good, go, I'll send you here. So the first thing is our response. Then it's the mission.